Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey guys, on today's pod, I was joined by Matthew Stocko and back better than ever is Brian Boak. We broke down the centers of the Raptors roster, the centers along with the power forwards, kind of all the posts on the team. Talked about kind of some reasonable expectations for JV, Pascal, and Serge Ibaka. I don't think there was a ton of debate. I think we were all kind of lockstep on expectations for him, but I still think we had some really good discussions on what to expect from both of them this season, or all of them this season, I'm sorry, and kind of what how important this is to the team, because I think if you look at the team right now, it's really one of the weaknesses, and that's no offense to JV or to Serge, but it's just not as strong as the wing position or Kyle Lowry at the point guard, so... Really, I think the success of this team could be determined on the post, so it's important to kind of go in and look and see what some reasonable expectations are for this group. Overall, I think it's probably one of the best pods and discussions we've had yet, so I hope you guys enjoy. How's it going? I'm great, Mike. How about yourself? Not bad. Uh, Brian, how are you doing? I'm extremely well. As we kind of continue our position-by-position breakdown here, guys, we decided to kind of go with grouping the big men together, since there's only four of them. Five, including Chris Boucher, who I guess we can start with now. Brian, what's your overall takeaway for him? You know, what do you expect for him moving forward? Wow. Uh... 
I, it would be, first of all, a remarkable thing for him if he even made the team. Uh, I, I think that with the veterans that are ahead of him, he's going to have a great deal of difficulty being anywhere except on Raptors 905 on, on opening day. I think it's just going to be too crowded. You know, I, I know we're going to concentrate on, on big men, but it just I need to point out that we've got a ton of swing men, and there just aren't very many positions available for uh, on our team this year. So if Chris Boucher, unless he has a miracle training camp and preseason games, he'll be he'll be starting out there. Now he's a guy with a, a very interesting history, and has come out of the extreme pack to become a, an NBA player at all. So I don't want to put anything past them. He may actually surprise all of us. I, I will be more than surprised. I'll be astounded if he makes the team. But I, I wish him well. I hope he does. He's, he's got lots of athletic ability, but he's, you know, he's almost seven feet tall and he weighs 210 pounds. That's real hard to make a goal but in the NBA with the monsters that are going to push him around. Right, yeah. yeah I, I think kind of building off what you're saying, he's real thin, and obviously he has a lot of skills that are enticing, I think, when you see the theoretical ability to stretch a floor, although he doesn't stretch a floor that well, and you see the kind of rim protection he can offer, but when he's so thin, he's just, he's prone to get bullied by other defenders who are, you know, grown men at the NBA level. Yeah, I also tend to agree with Brian as well. I mean, I look at the way the team is kind of breaking down a little bit, and we are predicting anyway, or at least I'm predicting, that there's going to be lots of sets where there might only be one of your more quote-unquote traditional big guys on the floor, either a Valanchunas or an Ibaka if they're going small, since we're predicting a lot of lot more movement, a lot more uh, emphasis, emphasis on the perimeter and, and, and cutting, so... Uh, a little bit more of a Golden State Warrior setup in a way uh, with with Nick Nurse. So I also tend to agree with Brian in that he might end up spending a lot of time on 905 if he does make the team. Uh, again, tremendous upside, but it's one of those things where you really have to you really have to sell your speed if you're going to be so so thin in many ways in, in in the NBA because or else you are like Brian mentioned going to get pushed around and, and and a little bullied underneath so uh, I do uh, you, you know I think it would be a nice little story if Chris Boucher made the team but in terms of impact I can only see that happening if if a injury if a major injury happens to uh, either like an Abaca or a Siakam or something like that. Right. I think the most realistic goal for him is to be on even a two-way contact contract for him, I think, would be kind of meeting expectations. And if he's on a two-way contract, I think you'll see him spend more of the time in the 905, kind of similar to where he played for Golden State last season. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I 100% agree, too. And I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, there's always potential and and it is. And the nice thing about Again, the 905 and the way the Raptors have kind of built up their their program over the many years, to, to quote Dwayne Casey there with program, uh, is that they do have a nice uh, stable of young of young men that they are bringing in. And I think uh, and I think with Jemma Mamalela being the new uh, head coach of the 905, I think that that tradition will continue of really nurturing and bringing up 
good young talent, and then if the team can score uh, a nice young piece out of it, then fantastic. But if not, then then that's okay too. Well, if I can pick up on that, uh, one of the things that Masai Ujiri said he did wrong as far as the uh, drafting and utilization of Bruno Caboclo was that he, he had no place to put him when he was drafted. And he swore up and down that would never happen again because we're never going to know whether Bruno could have made it uh, for our team because he went down to the Fort Wayne Mad Ants and sat and got splinters in his butt. And that's obviously no way to, to, to develop anybody. So if Chris Boucher can avoid that fate because we've got a team just down, down the highway 40 minutes away from what used to be the Air Canada Centre is now Scotiabank Arena, I think that's terrific. I think he's going to have a chance to get a lot of minutes and uh, really learn what it's like to be to be banged around and to, to see if he can find his footing uh, in, in the low blocks, particularly in defence, and, and utilize one of his remarkable skills, which is shot blocking. That's why I compared him to Keon Clark when I wrote about him. Shout out to Bruno, by the way, for uh, getting picked up by the Houston Rockets. Yeah, so yeah I think terrific. Two years away from do, being two years away, I think now he's officially <laughs> ready. So. <laughs> well, and it was interesting, too, because the, apparently the, the Rockets were interested in him before the uh, before the Raptors scooped him up in the draft uh, uh, all those years ago. So, uh, so yeah, so, no, I'm, I, I'm super happy for Bruno. I, I mean, I know this isn't really what we're going to talk about, but Bruno's best game ever was always his first game. Uh, ever in the NBA against the Milwaukee Bucks when the Raptors were up by 30, and then he came in and I think he scored like 17 points or something ridiculous like that. So, so good for Bruno. Um, let's move on uh, from Boucher just because, like we've talked about, the chances of him making an impact on this team are pretty minimal. Let's go ahead and talk about the most recent signing, Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe was picked up on a one-year minimum contract. He will serve as the team's, I would argue, as the team's third center. I think Serge Ibaka will play the majority of time as the backup center. Matt, what do you think is, what do you expect from Greg Monroe as far as minutes this season and role, and kind of what are you looking from him while he's on the court? Yeah, I think in terms of minutes, it's a little tough to say, but I could see a 10-minute game depending on matchup. Uh, you know where where he is. I, I I certainly don't think he'll get close to the 19 minutes he was playing last year with the Boston Celtics. Uh, in terms of what we're really looking for out of him, I think I think this is more of an insurance signing more than anything. Hence the you know the one year the one year term. Uh, you know more veteran presence, somebody who is you know certainly proved to have an impact at times. Uh, uh, in his years in the years in his years in the NBA, uh, but. You know, he's getting up there in age a little bit. Uh, he's also, I mean, I'm sure he's only, you, you know, he's not, he's not like ancient, but he's a little bit older. But he's a little bit slower. He's a, He comes from almost a different era of the NBA uh, at the tail end of the of the reign of the big man. And uh, I find it interesting that he's been working on his three. Uh, it really shows. It really shows that Nick Nurse, which kind of, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if that scares me or or or, or what we'll see, but. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think in, in situations maybe where the Raptors are a little outmatched in terms of size, you 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 could see him play a little bit more because he's certainly a crafty uh, big man and, and and will get down there and bang. Uh, not the best defender in, in in the entire NBA, a little slow on his feet as well. So 
Uh, that's why that, that's why I'm thinking in the you know five to ten minute a, a game range. More, again, more of that insurance piece. If somebody were to get into foul trouble or somebody were to you you know just need a little bit of extra time off the floor, or again if it's a bigger team uh, where 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 you need to send more bodies at a big guy, so you you might have quicker rotations as well. But uh, in terms of high impact. Uh, I think I think that's more reserved for the other three uh, big guys that we're going to be speaking to, but uh, but I, I mean I mean I mean in terms of the what was available in the market, I think I'm okay with the signing just because it, it just provides a little bit of insurance and it's not like he's an unproven piece or more of a risk. He's he's a piece that's been brought in to to to, to insure and and I'm okay with that. Right, I think he's a matchup play even at the ten minutes per game. I could see him playing fifteen minutes. A night, but only getting maybe 50 games played this year. Um, I think as long as the opposing center isn't too mobile or too much of a threat, you can see him. And as long as the team doesn't have, as long as you don't need a ton of rim protection, you could see him as a change of pace offensive guy. I wasn't a fan of the signing when it happened. I'm not a huge Greg Monroe believer at this point in his career. I just think the way he's played has been aged out of the game. However, that being said, I think, you know, with the 14th roster spot, getting a guy who's at least an NBA talent is at least noteworthy. And, you know, you have someone who knows what he's doing. He knows his role. At this point in the NBA, I don't think he has any kind of dreams of being a star player anymore. He knows that he likely is only going to get partial minutes on this team. And, honestly, he knows that he might not play very often, and I think that's okay to have in a player. And I think that the more I kind of talk about this signing, the less I disagree with it. Okay. Well, uh, I hear, I hear both of you guys, and, and I certainly concur with the, with the point you both made, which is that this is Greg Monroe is a player who missed his, his era. He's, he's 10 years too, too late. Uh, for a, a big lummox like he is, um, his his defensive numbers are quite simply not good at all. I mean, how can a guy of his size average in his career 0.6 blocks per game? It's really hard to imagine. And two turnovers. The ratios aren't good. Um, I think that if he's going to be of a huge value to the Raptors, it's going to be as someone who can come into the second unit and score. Uh, and and so. Getting back to what I'd like to see in a second unit overall, I want to see those guys get onto the floor when our our first team has given them a seven-point lead. They play for, whatever, six minutes. They get back up. Their first team gets back on the floor. The lead is still seven points. I like a, I like a plus-minus of zero with the second unit. Greg can't provide that defensively, so he'll have to provide it offensively. And in that sense, I think he could probably do that because he could very well bully a lot of teams – Second, second string centers and power forward. So I'm okay with it from that point of view. At least I hope he can, because if he can't, he, he certainly can't help us defensively, and he'll he'll play himself out of the league. He, I mean, he'll he'll be waived. Can, can I ask a question? Are we sure Greg Monroe's even good offensively at this time in his career? I know he's an efficient scorer and he's a pretty good passer, but the Celtics were considerably worse on offense when he was on the court, and perhaps part of that's playing to his advantages where you are running more kind of less capable scores because you have Greg Monroe out there. But when 
the team is getting worse whenever you're on the court and you play an outdated style, I think it's fair to ask if Greg Monroe is even a above-average offensive player anymore. And, and Mike, I agree. I mean, I, I, I didn't like the signing. I think there's a lot of – I think there are probably several guys, even young guys, that would have been more appropriate as the, the third or fourth um, big man off uh, player that we've got. But for whatever reason, besides decided this is the guy, I, I hope I'm wrong about this, and I hope he can contribute offensively because, as I say, he won't do it defensively. Matt, what do you think? And you guys are you guys are making me. I, I, I was a little bit more positive about the, uh, the 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 trade to begin with, and now you guys are kind of talking me out of it. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, still at. I mean, in 19 minutes, averaging 10 points off the bench. I guess I, I guess I guess you could argue that he still has some impact uh, on, on on the offensive end. But I mean, if you are if you are getting less efficient, then do those 10 points really matter? And I think and I think that's the that's the big thing and if we're talking about you know being outdated and Nick Nurse being more with the times and and, and really trying to build something innovative in terms of offensive schemes uh, that then perhaps he doesn't have as much of an impact especially if he's going to be shooting threes um, he he has never he has never I'm looking at his uh, stats right now he has never actually attempted a three in any in any season in his career, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out uh, as well. So I mean, he could have a negative impact, in which case in which case Brian's right, he could be waived. But we'll 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 see what happens. I'm I'm going to lean more towards the hopeful and hope that he 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 can still have some impact and provide that in limited games. Fair enough. Uh, let's kind of move on here to the starting center, Jonas Valanciunas. JV has been talked about, I think, probably more debated by Raptors fans than than maybe any other player just due to his playing style and kind of what he offers a team. Um, last year, I think it's fair to say, was his most efficient season. He also only played 22 minutes per game last season. That's less than any season in his career, including his rookie season. Um, despite that, still average 12.7 points and 8.6 rebounds per game. Matt, what do you think are realistic um, expectations for JV this season? Well, I find it inter- I find it interesting about JV and with his efficiency, even though his uh, minutes minutes dropped by three from the previous season and, and by four at its at its or no sorry by uh, six at its peak. And for me, for me, I'm I'm a pretty big JV fan. I think that he's. Uh, He's done as well as he can in terms of changing his playing style to match what the Raptors want to do. I also feel that Nick Nurse is actually quite a big uh, uh, believer in JV and a believer in JV's impact. Uh, where, where where JV has always kind of faltered is, is more for me has always been more so on the defensive end. Uh, he, you know, he's not very he's not very good in screen and roll defense, and that's and and, and I, I've always found that that's a big problem because teams will try to really hammer that down when he's on the floor but uh you know i feel i feel for jv to take the next step he almost has to play even bigger even be more on more on the rebound more on rebounds more you know battling in there with uh with with the other team's big men because when the raptors were at their best last season i thought it was when jv was really dominating uh the boards and really and really playing locked in i think that he's a, a a very important piece to this team and uh, involving him in more ways, I think, on the offensive end in terms of 
in terms of, you know, it's not just it's not just, oh, either we're running a set play for JV where everybody kind of stands around and then watches him do do work in the post or alternatively, like, you know, he's just shooting a three randomly. Uh, I would like to see I, I would like to see a little bit more motion with JV on offense to try to to try to get him some different spots. He's actually he's actually a pretty great mid range shooter as well. I, I, I've never really had a problem when he shoots those mid range shots either and uh i think i think that he he besides Kawhi, i think he's a huge piece to this team uh working because without that without that center of you know we relied so much on demar Derozan last season to to hit those clutch shots i could see jv being somebody who you know gets more opportunities to take late uh, late shot clock uh opportunities as well so for me, I think I, I actually expect JV to maybe play around 25 minutes a game, a little little bit more than last season, uh, because I think Nick Nurse is a fan. But I also think Nurse has seen his impact at you know that 20 to 25 minute uh, per range uh, uh, in terms of minutes, and uh, I could I, I could realistically seeing him average a double double this season. I think I think his uh, the opportunities for him to do so are really there as long as he can stay out of uh, foul trouble and stay on his toes and be a little bit more mobile. Brian, what do you think? Well, I like JV a lot. I think that he's uh, he's never hung his head. He's never looked like a guy who's discouraged or said, oh, I can't make these changes. You know, both of you have mentioned uh, three-point shooting from the guy. He went from, you know, from, from uh, two attempts the previous season and four in his career to 74 attempts last year and made 30, which is 29 more than he ever made in his career altogether. So he, this is a guy who's able to to make change in a successful fashion. Uh, I definitely agree about about problems with on defense with uh, foot speed and making and switching appropriately. I think he's getting a little bit better with that, or maybe I'm just talking myself into it. The other thing that that is underrated, as far as I'm concerned, is the simple fact that the guy stays healthy. He doesn't miss games, and I, I you know, injury prone players make me crazy, and he is not like that. He's out there giving his all, giving his 25 minutes or 22 minutes per game, uh, and, and he's consistent as hell. I think that with uh, the additional scoring capability of the entire starting unit now, he will have more opportunities to get some hopefully easier baskets for himself. He's shown that he can score, you know, as Matt said, both mid-range and also with the three. These are all valuable capabilities. So that, that We need lots of ways to score because – as far as I'm concerned, average scores in the NBA are only going to go up over the next few years. We're going to need to put up some big numbers to win. Right, um, and kind of even more talking back about JV's role, his usage has increased um, pretty significantly last season. His true shooting increased as well, so that means he was scoring more often, more efficiently Um Going to your three-point rate, last season, 10% of his attempts were from beyond the arc, which is just, I mean, a monster number compared to anything else that he's done in his career. Do you guys think that that number is likely to go up even more this season? I hope not, like, like significantly more, like the jump that he took from the 2016-17 season to last year. Um, but I, I, I definitely see it going up. A little bit. I think he's proven to that he can hit open threes. Uh, maybe not corner threes, but uh, can certainly can certainly hit that uh, that that jumper or sorry the three pointer from around the top area of the key. I think he's proven that, and 
I think he'll continue to launch those, but I, I, but I hope not to see a, a significant jump like we did the year previously. Well, he, he put up 74 in the regular season last year. I'd like to see him get over get around 100 attempts this year. Because mm-hmm. he, he made them at 40.5%. That's more than respectable. So if he, if he could somehow maintain that, or even, okay, so he gets to 37 or 36. That's still real good for a stretch five on those occasions when he decides he's going to be a stretch five. I'll take that. Right. I would. I think if you're shooting at 40%, you can try to increase your um, per, your amount of attempts because he had a lot last year where he would get the ball at the top of the key, and it looks like he almost forgets that he has the three-point shot. He's real. Like, he's one of those that if you give it to him, he'll take it, but he's not looking to shoot the three-pointer. And I don't think he needs to be hanging around the top of the arc all the time because I think you do lose something when he's not around the rim rebounding. But I think if he's there, I think he needs to be more aggressive looking for that shot when you have a defender closing out because if you're shooting it at 40%, obviously you have some kind of room to grow. Right, and at that point he could put the ball on the floor and take it to the rack because his his big man has come out and has committed himself defensively and now you can go around him. And who's going to stop JV if he's in mid-dribble, assuming he's got a, a decent handle? And his handle is, it's okay. It's not great, obviously, but it's okay. And he, and he could just power his way to the rim and get some easy buckets, and we, we're going to need those too. I have a question. If he's only playing 20 minutes per game and you want to, if you have JV on the floor, I think it's fair to say you want to keep his usage high just to kind of offset. You know, the defensive metrics for him aren't bad, but I think – his biggest strength is when he's a high-usage player on offense. Is it crazy to think that there might be he might be able to come off the bench if he's only playing 23 minutes a game? Maybe. Um, like, just throwing it out there. I don't think it will happen, but, I mean, why is it crazy to have Serge Ibaka, OG, Kawhi start and then bring JV as kind of that super six man who plays 24, if he's only playing 24 minutes a night? I would like to see that. I just wonder how much of a sacrifice of height that is. Like, over long stretches, right? Like, I mean, I think against certain teams, maybe even against... would be tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's really... And I think, I think, I think OG's a pretty, like, 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 understands how to rebound. And I, and I don't mean understand, like, understands, like, he doesn't do it. But it's just I haven't seen, an, uh, I don't have a large enough sample size to say if he can be a great, like, fantastic rebounder yet. So uh, I, I you, you know I just wonder against even even against teams like the Boston Celtics which are a little bit smaller uh, how much he can how like 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 if you can really do that you know what I mean? Well, I, my worry I guess with the Boston Celtics is that Al Horford's going to pick and pop him to death. But yeah, I that's another podcast I think to talk about that. Um, let's let's talk about Serge Ibaka, the guy who. I guess I'll start off by asking you, Matt, do you think that Serge is in the starting lineup to start the season? Since I think it's safe to say JV will be. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually of the opinion that he could come off the bench and be more of an impact. I think that uh, 
you know, you, you know, it's disappointing because early in his career, I was I, I was such a huge Serge Ibaka fan. I, I always love I always love like great great defenders who 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 have who were really great at blocking and really and, and you know really did a lot of impact on the defensive end of the floor. He's clearly slowed down um, somewhat, if not a lot, from 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 those earlier years. But I still think that he can have an impact. I think that he needs to. I think that he needs to refine his uh, his uh, three point shot, and hopefully, you know, Nurse can talk with him about how he likes to receive the three, what situations does he like to shoot the three, because I think that that could really help him uh, stay in rhythm in in, in many ways. He uh, he is somebody who, you know, I think. I, I think could make that impact off the bench because I think that maybe perhaps playing against just a little bit lesser talent, be it either speed or height or, or, or whichever you want, or just skill level, could hopefully help increase those rebounding numbers a little bit and, ha- and let him have more of an impact uh, that way. Because I still think that, you know, in certain situations he can be a good... He can be a good defender, but perhaps coming off the bench and playing a few less minutes could really help him uh, stay fresh. Because you know, you, you know, the Raptors broadcasters always like to joke that after after two days of rest, Serge was very impactful. And 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 while the NBA continues to go towards that more, there's still going to be lots of nights where you're playing every other day. Uh, we need a we need a Baca to be impactful. So. Why don't we why, why don't we try bringing him off the bench, having him play a few less minutes to hopefully keep him fresher and again be more impactful and perhaps even increase his usage a little bit coming off the bench. So I think I, I think it's an idea that they're certainly talking about, and I wouldn't be surprised to see happen. The hell of a guy to bring in for a change of pace, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> it's a quite a quite a strong statement. But the fa- fact of the matter is, I'm looking here. You know, you're talking about his earlier years in in OKC. He had a net rating uh, in those years in the teens. You know, he was plus 15 in, in 2010, 11. He was uh, plus 15 again in, in 11 and 12. Last year, he was plus four for us. Like that, with an offensive rating of 109 and a defensive rating of 105. That's frankly disappointing, and it makes you wonder whether he is in fact still a starting grade player for a top team. Because I'm not convinced of it, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if, in fact, he does get bumped to the to the second unit, whereupon his response to that will be most interesting if he can if he can tolerate that and, and take it in the appropriate spirit, or if he starts to grumble. Right, I think he's someone that his skills are kind of. To me, he's a center at this point in his career, or at least he should be playing the majority of his minutes there. We've seen his block rate go down over the years, and I think part of that is absolutely the fact that he's a center, or I mean that he has lost athleticism. But I think part of it was back in 2011-12 and 2012-13, he was hanging around the rim more. And when you're around the rim, because the power forwards didn't stretch the floor, you're just going to have more blocks and you can make more of an impact. And I think defensively, his best skill is still rim protection. And he, if he is able to play the five, he's able to protect the rim a little bit better because that's just where he'll be at. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and I, I, my my concern with him is that he he no longer seems to be inclined to battle. He seems to give up the boards very very quickly, uh, and is not attacking the rim to to, to pull down rebounds 
or even as you said to, to, to block shots because his shot blocking rate has gone down quite dramatically so that's another reason why you say well maybe he's better off as, as a really strong strong change of pace player where we've got one big Jonas and then four four well not even small guys four medium-sized guys running around and destroying people uh, with uh, three-point shooting and defense I mean there are worse ways to go I'm right. hoping go ahead man Sorry. No, I was gonna, I was just gonna say I, I I like Brian's point about about just like the heart and hustle and I'm and and I'm hoping that Nurse can somehow rectify that I'm you know you know I've said that about quite a few people I I always wondered kind of you know how much of Dwayne Casey's focus was on the heart and hustle side of the ball and how much he just left it to the individual players to do it themselves so I'm hoping that Nurse will you know a fresh voice will offer a fresh perspective in that case right and I think. Part of it could be minutes. I think if you lower him to closer to JV's range where he's playing 24, 25 minutes, although he was only at 27 and a half last season, so it's not like he was playing a ton. But I think if you lower his minutes, I, it's possible to kind of expect more out of him. Well, that, that would be nice because oh. he, didn't, he didn't help us in the playoffs. No, he certainly didn't. And I think... Because of that, he's almost been underrated by the fans and the fact that he's kind of the first one to get the blame, and it makes sense because he did lay such an egg in the playoffs. But, you know, going back to last season, he was still a pretty productive player, and I think people start to forget that. And I just, I mean, he still was, he's a, he's a good defender still at this time in his career. He had an effective field goal percentage of 55% and, you know, gave you your standard 12 and Six. So I think in some ways he's almost being underrated due to the fact that that playoff performance was so horrendous. Yeah, was it ever? Anyway, let's move on or I'll get depressed. <laughs> let's move on I, to my personal favorite player. I think he's a lot of people's kind of one of their favorites, and that's Pascal Siakam. Um, Pascal obviously took a monster leap in development last season, went from an energy guy to a guy that has a handle, is making plays for others. Matt, what kind of growth can you expect from Pascal this year? Um, I think perhaps asking for the same amount of growth as he had last season is a bit bold, but what kind of steps are you hoping to see in his games? Yeah, I, I, I'm also with Mike. I love Pascal Siakam. I think that he has such great um, – you know, you know, I don't want to say potential because a lot of it's proven of what he can do. But I still think, you know, over his over his career, he'll continue to have more leaps and and take more and take more, you know, steps forward. Uh, yeah, I agree with. I mean, I agree with you, Mike. I don't think it will be as large as it was last year, but I do think that his impact can actually increase a lot more because I feel like his I feel like his usage is is going to go up. Uh, you know, he played 20 minutes last season. I could definitely see that again in the 25-minute range again for your uh, for your big guys there. And you know, I think I, I think for Pascal, it's so much of the intangibles that he brings to the team, so much energy, so much uh, so much uh, passion, and, and in many ways, just power that he that that his presence commands. He's a great defender. I think um, uh, you know he. You know he's still learning the game in many ways. There's the, the there's there's been a few lapses in judgment that have 
lost uh, a few a few regular season games anyway last year. But I think that as he continues to get more involved in the offensive end, uh, he will he will he will continue to grow that impact and continue to make plays. I think he he more so than anybody is going to benefit from a Nick Nurse style of system just because he's already he's already moving all over the place anyway to move to move with even more purpose and more unison with the rest of the with the rest of the team i think it's going to lead to a lot of open opportunities for him as well uh where i really hope that he is focusing his time on and i've said it on this podcast before is i hope he's shooting shooting three thousand threes a day and really working on his form and really working on his uh his uh, his ability to launch the ball quicker because I I think that's been a big problem for him is that uh, you know players are so fast today that he has a slow release and uh, and uh, that the, that's allowing players to get back over to him so to have him uh, you know getting more confident with that three pointer especially in the corner I think will uh, really do leaps and bounds and give him his biggest uh, step forward this season. Brian, what do you think? Well, I can only say I, I violently agree with both of you. I mean, the guy, the, what's not to love about Pascal Siakam? A late first-round draft pick who's been tremendous. He's got so many positives. Uh, you know, Mike, you mentioned his handle, which has improved 100% from one season to the next. And uh, his uh, three-point shooting, Matt, he, his three-point shooting was abysmal his first season, and dreadful the second season but it did go up so can it go up again why not he's proven that so far that he there's he doesn't really have any limits you keep thinking oh well he's he's going to somehow stabilize but he hasn't stabilized his his moves to the baskets to the basket offensively it's really improved drastically and that i mean when i first saw the guy i thought this is our small forward of the future. I don't think he's a power forward. I still don't I still can't get my mind around the idea of him being a power forward. He's not a big guy. He runs like a like a soccer player. You know, you know how he's the often the first guy out on the break. It's it, these are terrific capabilities. You know, as, as uh, Dwayne Casey said, having a having a, a non-stop motor is a skill. Damn straight. I think uh, we haven't seen yet what this guy can do. I can see him easily averaging more than uh, 10 points per game. His usage rate will go up. I think his three-point percentage doesn't even have to improve that much because he was 22% last year. So all of a sudden, he's let's say he gets to 34%. That's going to be terrific. He'll, he'll get to 10 points per game just by that alone. And his free, his free throw shooting is crappy, not not at NBA level yet. He'll, he'll improve that. So once all these things get together, we, we may have... Uh, an unheralded star in our hands within two more years. If he develops jump shot, and that's, I mean, obviously huge if he, I think he has a potential to, even, I'm talking fringe all-star potential, and it's, the, three, the free throw is worrisome to me because typically, you know, players who are good free throw shooters, it gives me a little more confidence in their ability to develop that long shot. Um, last season, Pascal he only shot twenty six or he shot under twenty six percent from the corner, so it's not even in those attempts he's not making a ton of shots, and more than fifty percent of his three pointers came in the corners. If he could at least get the corner three point up percentage to a decent number, it would help him a lot defensively. 
his ability to switch onto pretty much everybody is really helpful. I think that there's a possibility he'll play some center this year, and I think that they're going to try to run out a Pascal, OG, Kawhi, kind of Danny Green that switches absolutely everything and kind of plays a la the kind of bench unit of the Rockets with P.J. Tucker at center. <laughs> that would be fun to watch. Yeah, that would be that would be very exciting. That would be uh, that would be a that would be a relentless <clears throat> defensive unit. It would right. cause a lot of trouble. Yeah, and he, as far as minutes per game, he played twenty minutes per game last season. I think that number is going to go up. I think he could play more than both JV and Serge Ibaka as far as minutes, which is kind of amazing when you think about kind of him being only a third-year player and the role that he had in his first season after Serge came here. It just speaks to how well his game's grown. His effective field goal percentage is, you know, 53%. So he's not an elite-level scorer, especially at the volume that he's doing, but he scores well enough, and I think he does so many other things well that he's just a tremendous positive on the floor. 100% agree. All right, good. I think that kind of wraps us up. Is there anything else that you want to kind of add in about the big man rotation? Yeah, what happened to Kennedy Meeks? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I could, I, I, go ahead. I, I just want to see some of these guys graduate from, from the 905 to the big team. And Kennedy's an obvious one. Yeah, I mean, he plays great in the 905, I think. There must be something there that they see day in and practice that they don't think it would translate as well. Um, I think that it's probably not Kennedy, but I think we could also see a couple more big guys being brought in on non-guaranteed contracts or maybe partially guaranteed for that 15th spot, although I'm not too certain that the Raptors are going to have 15 players to start the season. Yeah, I'm also of that opinion. I think they're going to kind of leave it, leave that there, and you know, again, kind of assess the team when it comes to the buyout market again, when it comes to that time of the year. Well, if we can get back just for a moment to Greg Monroe, I think his signing is proof positive to me that that the Raptors are not interested in uh, doing very much player development this year. This is an all-in. We're going for a championship team. We don't have time for rookies or kids, and. Uh, I, 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 that's perhaps one of the reasons why they chose him over somebody that they might want to develop. They're saying, "The hell with development. We got a week. It's time for us to win. This is a winning team. Let's go." And that may be also because, of course, of Kawhi Leonard's uncertain status. If he does, in fact, pack his tent and go to go to Los Angeles, saying, "Well, this is the only year that we're, we have a chance to win. So let's do it." I, I think that's a good point. Another thing, I just kind of mentioning the big man lineup. I think that in some ways big men as a whole on this team are going to be devalued, in my opinion. I think you're going to see a lot more kind of small ball units where either Kawhi, C.J. Miles, or particularly OG is playing the power forward as opposed to last season when they ran kind of two big man traditional sets a lot more often. OG at power forward. I like it. Me too. All right, guys, I think that pretty much wraps up everything on Big Men. Um, not too sure what the next pod will be, but I'm sure we'll come up with something before next week. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.